Welcome to Renaissance Online Radio. You can find us at renaissanceonlineradio.com or you can reach us by email at renaissanceonlineradio at gmail.com. Now here's your host. Friendsgiving. I mentioned it last podcast at the end that I was getting ready to go spend some time with friends. Intentional time is something that we have to make now. The modern lifestyle is absolutely demanding of our time. Those modern conveniences that are supposed to work for us seem to turn it around as though we work for them. And it takes intention. It takes making the decision to invest in relationship outside of your routine in order to maintain friendships that you value. We enjoyed spending two nights in a cabin that we rented along with three other families who we share many years of history with. We've all reached the uh, parenting stage of life, and uh, for, well, for all of us, it's a little bit later than is average. Um, I think I may be the oldest, but not by all that much. We're within, we're within 10 years, all of us in our 30s or 40s. And raising between us eight kids, seven girls and a boy, the oldest being four. So you can imagine what the weekend was like. We did all of the all of the obligatory seasonal activities such as sitting around the fireplace singing Christmas carols, opening presents, enjoying fantastic food. I am blessed to have a wife who knows her way around the kitchen very well, and she was not the only one on this particular gathering. If it had lasted much longer, we might have been having issues with clothes fitting. But, you know, I talk about time, and I used to not be uh, crazy about time control. I had the sense that I had all the time in the world. That's the blessing of youth, not realizing the brevity of life. And when you get to your uh, 30s and 40s, and in your job, you've seen lives end. You've watched them end, and quite often far, far too early. It's uh, it's not something that we ignore anymore. So one of the one of the tools that I have been involved with for over half of my life is the airplane. One of my earliest memories is sitting on my grandfather's lap in a little tiny airplane. I remember that about it. I was three, and it was amazing. And that's, that stuck in my head, and I found myself driven to fly. I wasn't able to act on that drive in any meaningful way until I was 21 and happened to be at the airport one day and was opining to the gentleman behind the counter about how uh, how hard it was to justify spending so much money learning to fly. I would never get that much money. I would understand at that point I was in nursing school and working on cars for a living. 
And he said, you know, you don't have to pay for it all at once. You can pay for a lesson at a time. And that, uh, well, I did it. It worked. I started taking my money from the shop where I was fixing cars to the airport and buying a lesson at a time. It took me about a year from start to finish to be able to get my private pilot's license. But I was never sorry, and I have to this day never been sorry that I made that decision. It has certainly uh, led to my not having a whole lot of other money at times. Uh, The old joke is, well, you know what makes airplanes fly, right? Yeah, it's money. And unfortunately, that is true. But there are ways to make it happen if it's important to you. Now, I'm, uh, I'm very evangelical about getting folks into flying, but I always point out that you must have the commitment to become proficient and the time to do so also. Otherwise, you're taking chances that you should not take. I think of an airplane as a time machine. And when I use that term, let me explain. When I was in residency, my mother suffered a stroke. And she was about two hours by car away from where I was in residency. For the next two years, almost, from the time she had her stroke until the time that I finished residency and we were able to get her moved to the same town as we moved to, I was able to see her almost every week. Now, if you know anything about residency, there isn't time to take a four-hour car ride plus however long you want to spend um, most weeks. But with the airplane, it was a 35-minute flight because of the geography of the drive. The direct distance was quite a bit less than how much uh, driving was required. I'll move on from flying for now. I can talk about flying for hours if I allow myself, but that's not why you tuned in. When I started working in anesthesia, I realized that there were quite a few parallels. Each step in the process of an anesthetic has a corollary in the process of flying. In order to make a flight, you first have to plan your flight. Then you do a pre-flight inspection of your aircraft. You start up, you take off, and you climb to altitude. You cruise and navigate. Then when you get near your destination, you descend and land. And after you've landed, you taxi and then go to tie down. Now, each of those steps, as I listed, correlates to steps in the anesthetic. Before an anesthetic is administered, the patient is examined and interviewed so that a plan can be determined Once the plan is determined and agreed upon by all parties, then the patient is taken to the operating room and put to sleep. Once you're asleep, then you're maintained in a sleep state. And then when the surgery is finished, we uh, wake the patient up and take them to recovery room where they uh, can finish the wake up and are eventually discharged. Like in aviation, there are risks Injury or death are, of course, possible, but they are incredibly rare. For a healthy person, the risk of death from anesthetic is less than 1 in 100,000, which is significantly improved from the 1950s when it was about 1 in 1,000. Now, 
technology has made a big difference in the safety of both aviation and anesthesia. We have better instrumentation, both in the airplanes and in the anesthetic uh, monitoring equipment. One of the most important monitors that has uh, gained popularity is something called a pulse oximeter. It's a device that we put on the patient's finger, and it actually measures the color of the blood and tells us if the patient is receiving adequate oxygen or not. Before that came along, anesthesia providers had to rely on other vital signs and the color of the patient to ensure adequate oxygen delivery. That is uh, not nearly as accurate as a machine that gives us a number that correlates to the percentage of oxygen saturation and along with the number gives a an audible tone the frequency of which correlates with the level of oxygen. So not only do we use our eyes, we also use our ears continuously and that gives us a great deal of information that keeps the patient safe. Anesthesia is a topic I enjoy discussing because I find it fascinating, and I know that it's something that's a bit of a black box to folks who are not in the business. You know, you come in and you get your anesthesia and you go home, but you really don't get a lot of education in the process as to what's being done to you. So that's one of the things that I hope to do with this podcast is answer questions that you may have. You can send your questions, well, about anesthesia or anything else to our email address that we give at the beginning and the end of each podcast. One final note, it is winter solstice. That means that every day from here until June will be a little bit longer and the night a little bit shorter. This is a season that is hard for a lot of folks because of what we call seasonal affective disorder. Even if it's not to the level of disorder, I think a lot of us feel that uh, kind of blue sense that comes with the shorter days, longer nights. That can be effectively treated with phototherapy. Uh, Keep the lights as bright as you can uh, possibly keep them during the day when you're working. And probably one of the best antidepressants is exercise. Go outside, walk, run, do something that raises your pulse, gets your heart rate up, uh, gets you breathing deeply, and that will help you deal with the seasonal blues, the winter blues. If you find that exercise and bright lights aren't enough to help you deal with the the drag of seasonal affective disorder, call your doctor. Go ahead and get some help. Find out what other options might be available to help get you through. And with that, I'm going to wind this down, head out of the Faraday cage, and tuck a couple of little girls into bed. Hope you have a wonderful week, and tune in later. That's all for this edition of the Renaissance Online Radio Podcast. We invite your participation by sending email to renaissanceonlineradio at gmail.com or by commenting on our Facebook page. Our Twitter handle is at renaissancerdo. Thanks and have a great day.